We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to take you along with Charlie Long. Steve Geller will join us at 540 for our triple option feature. At 520 or a little afterwards, uh, my old friend Chris Lowe, senior writer for ESPN, will join us to talk a little bit of college football and certainly a lot to talk about over the last few days, certainly even in uh, just if LSU when you're looking at it at that end. But Quinchon Judkins, man, Ooh. really stirred the pot up this morning, threw himself into the portal. And uh, Deuce and I were talking about this, uh, that uh, good gracious, uh, he was never going to see six, seven men up on the line of scrimmage. With that passing attack, it's going to be nothing but too high safety and – I think uh, he took the coin and, and to see if he ends up at an Auburn or an Alabama who are waving a lot of cash around uh, for Judkins, who is a really good player. Man, Charlie, he is a power back with speed. He catches the ball well. He can carry a team on his back if he has to, rushing the ball. But, man, you leaving a really good passing attack with at Ole Miss, really good. Uh, and who knows where you're going to end up. You might get paid more money, and I- I'm not against that. But uh, you leaving a team that is absolutely loaded at this stage uh, to throw yourself back out uh, on the market. And, again, I-, I wouldn't be surprised it ends up being an SEC school that that's waved the cash. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the-, the other side of the transfer portal for Ole Miss fans. Like, they're all excited. You know, Walter Nolan's going to their school from A&M, and – you know, they're, they look like they're loaded to be a top five team this upcoming year. I mean, I still think they probably are. Like, if you look at that roster, like, well, there's still. Then go out and get you another back somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean. But well, you might not find one you're like You're not going to find Quinchon Judkins. <laughs> but, I, I mean, he's been outstanding in his first two years in the SEC. I, I think it was uh, Madsen. And he was hurt uh, early this year. You didn't see them use him as much. But as the season heated up, especially when they played LSU, well, a lot of running backs were like that, but man, I remember he got healthy. The preview of that game, we were talking about how Ole Miss's O line was kind of a revolving door; like they couldn't find much stability at that position or that spot. They didn't need it, they, and then they just go ahead and go for over seven hundred yards. But you know, from two four seven sports, I mean, he became the first SEC player since Herschel Walker with fifteen touchdowns in each of his first two collegiate seasons. That's Quinshawn Judkins, who just now entered the transfer portal. So as you said, he's going to get a hefty hunk of change from someone. Uh, and go. I think it's going to be close, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be far from Mississippi. You know, divisions, uh, divisions aren't a thing anymore. Nope. It might be an SEC West squad. Yeah, no question about it. Let's go back to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Let's go to James in Covington. James, you're in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, guys. Uh, I think I think it was yesterday you had on some guy, uh, Atlanta Beat Writer or whatever, talking about the amount of weapons. I give Font no credit. Uh, he has really orchestrated uh, an offense where you can't double everybody. But the guy that I think is the most dangerous uh, against us is Robinson. I mean, uh, this you don't you don't put a linebacker on him as much as I like DeMario or any linebacker for that matter. you got to bracket that guy. We were bullied 
that I mean, of all the games I heard you guys talking about. At the end, you were bullied by Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, I'm sorry, but I hate Atlanta. I mean, I don't know. I'm not the only one. Uh, get on the and, bus, and, and to, so to and, speak. And to lose and to be swept by Atlanta is a foul boy offense. Like I, I feel like I, 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 I ask you guys to give me five coaches that DA is better than hands down. And, and what, what frustrates me more than than anything is that this is all the result of Loomis, and I keep I said it a, a thousand times on the air. You guys are tired of hearing it, but they let the staff go there, and then he 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 got uh, Nielsen, and Nielsen got most of our players like Moses, like he was Moses. I would really prefer Nielsen to come over here and coach us than this guy, you know. Um, but it sounds like that's not going to happen, and so if that's doesn't not going to happen, like it. First, really, James, doesn't right. sound like it. I think the changes are going to be made. It's going to be on the offensive side, the football. But I think win or lose, uh, from everything we've been able to hear, Dennis Allen's staying. Yeah, and, and, and so with that, Mike, um, I hear a lot of talk about passing coordinators. Listen, I lived in Maryland when you had the worst quarterback in NFL history win the Super Bowl because he had an awesome defense. Let D.A. do his thing defensively. I know Carr is a lot better than Dilfer. I like Dilfer as an uh, analyst and stuff like that. But he stunk as a quarterback uh, with the Ravens. He didn't have to do much. You know, so the focus of our draft needs to be on the O-line. I think right now they're talking about Latham falling. It's a good year to need one. But if, right. Offensive line. I mean, we need several. Like Latham. He ain't he just one. Offensive tackle. <laughs> But but he really he really needs to and this is another problem we we misdiagnose players at certain positions. He needs to go back to Ramchek's position, you know whatever Ram give us God bless him. But I mean you got to you got to replace all these linemen. You got to have guys with attitudes. I see these guys hitting car, and they start talking to him and scaring him. And then that's that, I put that on the coaches. The coaches need to tell the offensive linemen that's our guy. Protect him, you know. And, and that's not happening. But so, James, uh, here's the here's the flip of that card. You're getting older on defense now. With Cam, we talked a little bit about it in the first hour. Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis. Uh, okay, that's some big moccasins to fill across the board. The three of them. Not that some. Not that two to three, or maybe all three return next year. But what I'm telling you is, eventually. You're going to have to have somebody to fill those shoes. Look at that roster. Tell me who's going to do it. That's why you got to draft better, Mike. You gotta draft <laughs> no question better. about because, that. You know, because because cause, uh, Tampa, we beat Tampa last week, but they got $4 million for this kid. I'm talking about the quarterback. Yeah. They got $4 million for him. I mean, and the owner didn't really want to do anything because they had already won the championship. Tom Brady, they had to kick out $35 million so, uh, because he left and it was some cap space. So he really wanted to clean house, but he still felt that they could win the division. And, they, and he was right. I mean, they, they, they spent less and got more. And another thing, I know you guys are going to get off me soon. I'm hoping that we look at Antonio Winfield and Devin White as some guys that will um, – 
uh, matriculate uh, over here during the free agency period. They have to pay a lot of money for Devin. I'm I'm not I'm not shelling a big check out for Devin. Winfield's not going anywhere. Winfield's staying in Tampa. I I mean, the fact that he wasn't a Pro Bowler, Mike, and he got robbed. That was one of the biggest. Like they gave it to Buda Baker, I think. Like that's just a name. Listen, I'm a big fan of Buda Baker, but can't tell me that Buda Baker had a better season than Antoine. I loved your comp. I think it was you that I mentioned it, Mike. That Antoine Winfield's like a kind of a younger Tyron Matthew. Yeah, like all that that he does across the football field. And I, I mean. I, he had a fantastic season for Tampa this year, and he's I, he's not going anywhere. A former second-round pick, they're going to lock him down to a long-term extension this year. We talked with a couple different Bucks reporters last week leading into the game, and they all kind of said the same thing. Like, he's going to be one of their core building blocks on the defensive side of the ball. No, Devin's going Devin, somewhere else. Devin White's a little bit of a different story. Where he's going to end up, you know, we'll have to kind of see, but... Um, as an off-ball linebacker, a lot of times those guys don't get paid a lot. No, Roquan was different. Roquan Smith, he was different. He went from the Bears to the Ravens, and he is a stud player. But then who he really helped out this year make money? Patrick Queen. Yeah. Who made the Pro Bowl, too. Man, Patrick Queen uh, played kick-ass, as Bobby would say, this year. Patrick Queen might be another guy that's finding a new spot with with a new team because they they paid Roquan so much money. Now it worked out for him. Don't get me wrong. The Ravens have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in pro football right now. But if you had to pay, who would you pay? You'd pay Patrick Queen or you'd pay Devin White? Today. Queen. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If I had to pay that big bucks, I'd go with Patrick. I think Patrick Queen's been outstanding for them, but but they're not going to because they have so much money already tied up into Roquan. Now, once again, good decision because it's paid off for them. I think the Ravens' defense, if you're looking at the centerpiece of every – like their defensive line is disgusting. Don't get me wrong. They lead the league in sacks, and they're terrorizing opposing quarterbacks all year. But Pat, uh, Roquan Smith, right in the middle, right in the center of that defense, has been a dog for the Ravens this year. And to have both of them? On that field, man, with Roquan and Patrick Queen. Ravens are nasty, Mike. They get after you pretty good. Um, and how about that Jadavian Clowney, who had been a cast-off, man, um, I'll go here for a year, go there for a year, go here for a year. Man, he's played really well this season. He's found, he's found a home. Yeah, like He's always yeah. been kind of been that you know mercenary he's player. Been, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think, yeah, this year that he's had in Baltimore, I mean, he's just one of the many pieces along that defensive line that's just been playing outstanding. We'll be back with more Sports Talk and Chris Lowe from ESPN right after these messages here on the Big 870 WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 
We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Uh, we're still waiting to connect up with Chris Lowe, an old friend of mine for almost 30 years. Uh, covered the Carolina Panthers for a long time. Now he's been covering the SEC for ESPN.com. Uh, today, Major Burns made it official that he was returning for another season at LSU. Uh, the safety coming back, uh, he could have come out early for the NFL draft. But uh, Major decided that he would return to LSU for another season, which is a good sign. I I think that, you know, in the past you had a lot of guys that may have been late-round picks or free agent types uh, that were on the fence about should I leave, should I stay, and and most of them left. Most most of them left. But uh, Major Burns decided that he would stay, and he's got another season at LSU. On our Oakwood Hard Jewelers talking text line, senior writer for ESPN.com, Chris Lowe. Christopher, great to hear your voice again. Great to have you back here on the Big 870 WWL. Hey, Mike. It's always good to be with you, man. It's always great to to be in your uh, – talking a little football with you. Uh, and we go back a ways. It's you a sure do. Thing, man. We, 40 years or 30-some years, yes, whatever it is. for sure. Um, how surprised were you with Quinshawn Judkins? We had heard maybe some maybe hoofbeats that when he didn't say it at his press conference, yeah, I'm coming back to Ole Miss next year. That that drew my attention. And then I kind of heard through the grapevine that there were a couple other teams that were sniffing and, and flashing maybe a little bit of cash in front of him. Man, Ole Miss looks loaded absolutely loaded for 2024 and he ain't never going to see six men or seven men on the line of scrimmage not with that passing attack it'll be too safety high for air 75 percent of the time but he's decided to throw himself into the portal and my understanding uh a couple of those teams that are interested are a little east of mississippi and i'm talking about a little bit east yeah <laughs> i uh I, i've been I don't think Ole Miss was surprised by any of this, to be honest with you, Mike. I think they sort of had seen it coming, and there maybe been some things behind the scenes that um, on his on his part, on Ole Miss's part, that that he may not be back next year. And that's just the world we're in now. Yeah, I mean, as you well yeah. know, you know, if a kid gets disgruntled or there's somebody else in the locker room, he's having a hard time getting you know getting along with or. Or maybe a coach, you know, maybe what they're doing or what they're not doing. Somebody feels like they're not getting the football enough, for instance. Then, you know, the alternative now is, well, everybody's got an attorney. Everybody's got an agent. Hey, look around and see what's out there. You know, what, what kind of deal can I get? Is there a better deal? And, again, I'm not applying this solely to Quinshawn and Ole Miss, but I think that's a part of what happened here. But, uh, you know, he's he'll be – there'll be a lot of suitors. You know, you, you don't – not every day you see a kid coming to the SEC and for a thousand as a freshman and a sophomore first two years in the league, and he's done that. And uh, but I also think this: I think when you, when you look at what Lane Kiffin's done, everywhere he's been, he's always been able to run the football, Mike. No yeah. matter who is running back. That's true. Everybody talks about the passing attack, but he has leaned heavily on the run, no matter where he's yeah. been. And, and it's whether he's had a running quarterback or not. He's always been able to run the football, and I don't think that'll be any different. I mean, now will they have somebody that's as much of a workhorse as Quinshawn was? Now he, he was, you know, he, he started slowly. Had some, you know, I think he was had some injuries. Yes, but, he did. Uh, they, they may have, they may do it more with, you know, by committee. Uh, but I think whoever and listen, they're they're going to have somebody that's pretty good at all this. But whoever it is, 
as you pointed out, I mean, they're going to be able to throw the football. You're not going to be able to shadow anybody. You know, Dart uh, is certainly able, is certainly capable of adding to that run game. You know, which he did some this year. So, uh, not completely surprised. Nor, nor do I, I believe that Lane Kiffin or Charlie Lace Jr., the offensive coordinator there. Well, they surprised when he got down to the fact that, that Quinshaw told him he was uh, he was bolting. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, retention of players in, in the portal era sometimes is as important as going out and getting the right guys in the portal. I think when it all this all came push to shove, I don't think Lane Kiffin felt like as crazy as it sounds when you look at his production that this was a guy they just one thousand percent had to retain. Thinking about. Um... Blake here, who's certainly uh, Blake Baker, uh, who was here at Louisiana Tech. Uh, he, he was a really good linebacker uh, during his days for the Green Wave and uh, at Tulane. And then he comes back for one season, uh, coached linebackers for Coach O. And uh, your thoughts, are you covering the SEC, what he did with that defense at Missouri last year. They went from 104 to 25 in total defense. Uh, so, for people who aren't familiar with Blake, a little bit about him from you having covered him different places and certainly last year and what he was able to do at Missouri. Well, I mean, you're right because people, you know, Missouri, it's easy to look at sort of, you know, they had a 3,000 yard passer. Uh, they had a, a, well, 1,500 or 1,600 yard rusher and straighter, and they had a 1,000 yard receiver. That doesn't happen all the time. You know, especially in the SEC. So I think that's what most people sort of um, sort of zeroed in on, Mike. But the, the the fact that they were able to play defense the way they did this year and get after people, they were aggressive. And I think that's the thing. When you look at what they were able to put together up front in the front seven and come after people um, and, and force negative plays, those kind of things, that to me is, was as big a storyline and Missouri getting to 11 wins of anything this year. Now, you got to score points, and you got to be able to, to move the football. But, uh, you know, when you look at defensively, uh, the way they uh, they took the ball away from some people, they, they were able to, as I said, they were able to create some negative plays on defense. I'm not surprised at all uh, that Brian would come after him. You know, with his tie, given his ties, they're, but also do it in the SEC at a place. You know, it's not like Missouri has been a – a defensive juggernaut, you know, over the last five, six, seven, eight years, because they haven't. And yet he comes in there and they're able to uh, to really put it together and play complimentary football. That's the thing I think is lost, Mike, more than anything now in football, and especially in the collegiate ranks, is, you know, it's rare anymore that you can be just great on one side of the ball and just be average on the other and be a, t- a team that's going to, you know, win 10-plus games. You've got to be able to play complimentary football and sort of, you know, play – play to each other's strengths and weaknesses. And I think bringing Blake in there and playing defense the way they did this year at Missouri was a big part of, of what they were able to accomplish. And, and you know, Eli Drinkwitz will tell you the same thing. Your, your thoughts on uh, – I wanted to ask you this the last time we had you on and we kind of ran out of time, but your thoughts on, on how well you think Texas, Oklahoma will do hitting the SEC? I think they'll do well. I don't, I don't think it's going to be – I think they're gonna. How do I say this diplomatically? It, it, it ain't gonna be like it was in, in the, the Big Twelve, game. right? <laughs> the grind, the grind is what gets you in the SEC. You know that it's it's not okay. Big game, okay? We're 
okay this week. The next week, yeah, if we play a B-minus game, we can win. There are very few stretches like that in the SEC, very few. Uh, the places you go, everywhere you go, uh, it's a tough place to play. The venue, all those places, especially now in the portal world, are, are going to load up and bring in guys that are ready to play and, and you know, have experience. So I think it will be a little bit of an awakening for them. Um, I'm not saying they won't compete because I think they will. Both of those schools have, have played for, have been in the championship contention playoff. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's been in several. Of course, Texas gets in this year. Uh, so I, it, it, it's going to make a just a juggernaut of a conference that much more difficult. And when you go and look at the schedule next year across the league, uh, there are some just killer stretches, Mike. I mean, teams – you look at three or four or five weeks a game, and you just you know you, you wipe your brow. You're like, man, how do you get through that? And I think that's the biggest adjustment that Oklahoma and, and Texas are going to have to make in the SEC. Is you're going to have those three, four week stretches where there just is there's just no um, no relief at all. And if you have one bad week, you know one bad week can lead two bad weeks. And all of a sudden, if you're looking at a two game losing streak in that league, which is going to be easy to do no matter who you are. I mean, look at Alabama this year. Look, look how close they were to just having like all unravel early in the season. They lose to Texas. Now, granted, that's a non-conference game. Uh, they went completely belly up on offensively the next week to, to South Florida. And they come back, and it's, you know, first half against Ole Miss, they were horrible. You know, they are able to sort of gut it out in the second half. You know, if you don't play well and you get into a stretch where you have a couple games like that, then, then you're looking at, at a three, four, five loss season in a hurry. And I, that's sort of what, to me, is what's fascinating about Oklahoma and Texas coming in is there are going to be a lot more teams, Mike, with three or four losses in that league that maybe aren't used to losing three or four games. Chris, 2024, no more divisions in the SEC, and obviously bringing in OU and Texas, you kind of hinted a little bit at it. This goes back to, I think, last June or whatever, that they decided that they are going to, they voted on it, they're sticking with an eight-game conference schedule. But how long do you think it's going to take for them to realistically get to a nine-game SEC slate uh, and move on from that eight-game uh, schedule? <laughs> Tell them, Chris, when they start paying them more so from cool. the networks. I mean, I feel like it's it's, it's more like an inevitability. It's more rather than when, rather than if. Like it's going to get to nine games at some point. It's just we don't know when just yet. When the cash register rings again. I, I think when my company ponies up and Annie's up uh, a little bit more, <laughs> whenever that is next year or the year after, you're going to see it. it's going to be. You're right. It's going to go to nine games. There's, there's too much money being left on the table now for it not to go to nine games. Because when it goes to nine games, think about all the different games you're going to have. You're going to have so many more quality football games uh, if you have nine SEC games. And, and networks you know, are going to be willing to pay for that. And I, I think the, you look at the, the sport this year, and the, the TV ratings and how many people watched. You know, If you add every week, or let's say you take one week and you add another week of SEC games. Let's say Auburn and Florida are playing, for instance. Well, all of a sudden they're going to play, or Tennessee and Auburn are going to play, or you know, or LSU and Oklahoma are going to play. Well, they would not have played in an eight-game schedule. All that does is, is just make the league that much more attractive for TV networks to pony up the money. Now, I do believe that when you go to nine games, you know, you're not going to see two non marquee non conference games. You're gonna see one, you know, LSU's gonna play Florida State, you know, Alabama's gonna play 
Penn State or something like that, and then you'll have the ten good games. But uh, I, I think it's I, mean, I think it's going to be more representative of the conference too. You're going to have more teams playing each other and not having you know as long a break when you don't play. I understand that they're already looking at that and trying to make sure with this new model, whenever they decide to finally vote on it, that every the way it's explained to me is that every, if you play for four years, so if, if Mike the TA plays for four years at LSU, then he's going to have a chance to play every school at home and every school on the road in the league, which is the way it should be. Because right now, this is the example that's always used. A&M came into the league in 2012. Georgia's never played a football game at Kyle Field, ever, since 2012. To me, that's just not very representative of what a conference is supposed to be. Your thoughts on uh, what you saw from Garrett Nussmeyer in, in the bowl game against Wisconsin. Garrett has patiently waited, um, and you understand who he was behind, who was one of the most unique players ever at LSU. And when you watch Jaden Daniels, not only was he a great downfield passer, but how he could run the football. He scared the bejesus out of you every time he took off running downfield because he was like a track sprinter. Uh, but Garrett's not that type player. Uh, he's more of a dink and dunk guy, uh, but he's smart. He's accurate. And what he showed down by two touchdowns to lead this team back uh, showed a lot of chutzpah in him. Well, and I think that's – you said it, man. You, they're going to have to play – and you can say this about most quarterbacks, but, Mike, how do they play around it? You know, what what type of pieces do they bring in – how those guys play around him, how they develop, how they protect him. You know, he's not a guy who's going to run around for 100 yards, you know, like a Jaden Daniels. He's not a guy necessarily would, you know, he's not your quintessential breakdown quarterback. You know, so you've got to build, I think, the little call plays, you know, that work, you know, and the things that he can do, the things that, that, that he does best, but he's smart. And I think the fact that he played the way he did in the clutch, in a bowl game, and everybody says, "Well, bowl games don't mean anything." And that's, see, I think that I don't believe that. I, think I don't believe like, any of that. Yeah, I think for a guy like him, especially, he's getting his shot to show what he can do on that stage. That absolutely carries over to the off season, in the spring practice, the off season workouts, in the preseason camp, because now all the guys around him say, "Hey, look, look at what he did. We're bat, we're down. You know, we're, we're it's not looking too good for us." He steps in, gets it done when he has to. We win a football game. Uh, I uh, I think that absolutely is a good omen for him and the rest of the team. You know, it's not every time. It's rare that you have a Jaden Daniels that can make something out of nothing, which he did over and over again for LSU. And you know what? It helps when you have the two guys, the two cats you had on the outside too, playing receiver. You're damn right. You know, and you know, and he's not going. You know, us is not going to have that. So you know, they, that's why I say they're going to have to do it different ways. And I think the big thing is protecting him, giving him a chance to do what he does. I, I like the fact that, you know, in this day of, of, of guys moving around, and that's, again, just the way it is. But there's a lot of stories out there of kids who sort of waited their turn, especially a quarterback. There's only one ball, there's only one quarterback. You don't have, you know, four DB. It's not like you have four DBs, you've got three linebackers. He sort of hung around, waited his shot, and now he gets it. And I think a lot of times when you do that, um, Good things happen to you. you know, Jalen Miller's for example, that in Alabama, you know they they went and, and brought in a kid 
last year, Mike, after spring practice, a kid from Notre Dame who yep. was going back to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. Well, Milrow hangs around. Look at the kind of year he had. So when you are not afraid of competition and you're not afraid to step up and say, hey, I still believe in myself, that's the kind of kid you want playing for you at quarterback. And, boy, at times he really flashed it. Uh, but, uh, man, other times he didn't show a lot of patience in that pocket. But, uh, man, he impressed me uh, at different times that he looked a little bit like what Jaden Daniels did a year ago. He was flinging it on that 98-yard man. drive. Uh, uh, he, yeah, was, he was – yeah, Mil- Milrow, Milrow was the big surprise uh, for me in the SEC this year. I don't think anybody thought, uh, Chris, he could play this good. I'm not talking about no. against Michigan, but I'm talking about against SEC teams. I don't think anybody thought Jalen Milrow would play this good. No, I don't, I don't think anybody in that offensive staff room did either back in August. You know, Not that they you know, had given up on it, but I don't think they saw him improving and progressing the way he did. But again, there's a lot to be said for believing in yourself and, yep. and not being afraid of competition. And I, I think what happened to him, is this is the first time he'd ever been through having to wait a month to play a football game, the biggest football game he'd ever play all year long. And some kids adjust to that. He never had to do that before because he was a first-year starter. And I think, Mike, you could tell in the game that he was not as crisp. No, he wasn't. And not as in sync as he was to end the season when they played Georgia. Uh, Barry Switzer told me this years ago, uh, we did a pregame with Buddy Diliberto and I, LSU, Oklahoma, for the national championship. He said, the see, team you see in late November and late de- and early December, you never see them again. They either get better or they got worse. To be honest with you, I think Alabama, they were not the same team we saw in the season. Chris, thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Always appreciate your insights, and uh, God bless, and uh, happy new year for 2024. Great right back at you, Mike. You guys have a great night. Thank Always you, buddy. Catching up. That was Chris Lowe, senior writer for ESPN.com. You also see him on the pregame shows for ESPN. We'll be back with Triple Option right after this break here on the Big 870. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long and Steve Geller joins us now. And it's time for our WWL Triple Option feature where each of us give our top takes on the top stories in sports and is brought to you by Lambert Zaney, representing injured maritime workers for over 40 years. I don't say this often, but Steve, you first. <laughs> All right, guys, I know you mentioned I know it would be shorter than the regular. <laughs> A little bit shorter, right. Uh, you, got, you guys mentioned in the first hour, I know, Rashid Shahid making it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, 18 kick returns tied for the third most in the NFL and second most in the NSE. 384 return yards, an average of 21.3 yards per return. He's the only player in pro football with 300-plus yards on kick returns, punt returns, and offense for a total of 1,396 all-purpose yards. That's most in the league. Big congrats to Rashid Shahid, another great undrafted find for this squad. Uh, everyone always loves to talk about you know the snubs that come in uh, for the Pro Bowl. And for me, you know, you look at this team, I definitely don't have one on the offensive side of the football, but I feel like corner Paulson Adebo uh, deserved a vote for the Pro Bowl. I think Paulson fixing the hit the, uh, the power ball. Oh, it's somebody, it's no. some of the guys that opt out? No, my thing oh, is getting pa- paid. Getting paid. Paulson Adebo. <laughs> uh, because, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with Lattimore. In the offseason. Right. We know they've reworked his contract right now. Uh, that, to me, draws up the red flag <laughs> right there. So my thing is, man, you better pay Paulson Adebo. That cat can play. 
Yeah, right now he's got 17 passes defense. That's third in the NFL. He's got four picks on the year. I just feel like he's definitely been that shining star on the defensive side of the football for this team. You could always say Demario Davis, but I, I don't know if uh, he's really worthy of a Pro Bowl selection this year. Uh, when you look at the rest of the roster, though, can you guys even come up with anyone that you think is even worthy? Not I. Usually maybe Ryan Ramchek, Cam Jordan, but not uh, this no, year. Ryan's injury, and then, man, you don't know what's going to happen long-term with Ryan. Right. And we talked about a little bit on the show before. You see the age now on the defensive side with Tyron, with Demario, with Cam. Uh, they all playing in the winter years yeah. of their NFL career. God bless them. And, and Cam Jordan, he's going into Pro Football's Hall of Fame. I mean, he, uh, I've, we've had some people want to disagree with that. No, he's going in. Uh, he's going to be in there. Demario Davis has been a great pickup and the best defensive pickup ever in free agency for the Saints, ever. Yeah. And and Tyron had some Goes down one of the greatest LSU players ever. Sure. Had a really nice career early on. But, um, again, man, for the time, he is there for a reason. He never loses. He never loses. Never. Undefeated and untied. Uh, and that's why he's there. And in every profession. Charlie? So, guys, I, I want to just circle back around to the NBA real quick and the Pels. If you look at the Western Conference right now, after taking down Minnesota last night, which was only, by the way, Minnesota's second loss uh, at home this season. They're 14-2 and now. It was, it was such an impressive win. They, they were leading by over 20 points in the th- uh, second half. They ended up winning that game by about 11. I think it was 117-106, to if I remember correctly. But with the Pelicans in the West, right now they're the sixth seed. And if you look at the Western Conference, the difference between the one seed, which is currently still Minnesota, and being in the play-in tournament, the seven seed, which is currently Dallas, it's five games. Five games difference. So the Pelicans right now, they're tied uh, four games back of Minnesota with Sacramento. Um, you know, they're, they're one loss more than Sacramento, one win more. They're tied in the win column with L.A., who they're welcoming in tomorrow night, which is going to be a great game. I can't wait to talk to Ali Cassell about that later on in the show in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, But the Pelicans, they got a tough January slate. We talked about that earlier in the week. But if they can go on a little bit of a run here when when they're healthy, you know, with with their big three playing lights-out basketball like they've been playing recently, guys, you could see the Pels make some seismic movement up that Western Conference ladder. It's amazing what a healthy team does. And Zion playing. Right. I mean, that you saw his presence last night of, of just how good he can be and how he sort of took over that basketball game. Uh, we talk about this all the time. Love great players, and we give them their props. But uh, T.J. Watt is on the verge of becoming the first official three-time NFL leader in sacks in a career. Three times. He, he would have done it. He's tied now with Trey Hendrickson with 17 quarterback sacks. Now, this stat has been kept since 1982. Uh, so I know somewhere above us, Deacon Jones is saying that's a bunch of crap. Uh, I did that too. But they weren't keeping official sacks. Doug Atkins had it before him. D- Doug would swear that he led the league in sacks four years, but they didn't keep him officially. Doug used to always say, you know why the owners didn't keep it? They didn't want to pay us. So that sack would have maybe got them paying me more. But T.J. Watt is on the verge of becoming the first 
three-time league leader in sacks. Bragging rights over brother right there. Bragging rights <laughs> over the big brother uh, if he does it. And again, they've been keeping these stats since 1982. So th- that's really saying something. You think about Reggie White, uh, LT, Some huge those names. guys, yeah, really Bruce surprising. Smith, uh, all played in that time frame. So... See if TJ can do it with the Steelers. That's a wrap on Triple Option brought to you by Lambert Zaney, representing injured maritime workers for over 40 years. Join us every day in the 5 o'clock hour for the top takes on sports on the Sports Powerhouse. WWL will be back to finish it up here in hour number two of Sports Talk right after these breaks. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long and Steve Geller. We're going to go with Derek in Mid-City on our Oakland Heart well, Jewelers Talking Text Line. Go ahead, brother. What do you think his pro prospects are? Hey, uh, Taylor, Taylor Madaki, what do you think his pro prospects are? Because I got a godchild. I'm not going to mention his name. I, I guess I shouldn't. But he's, uh, at a, at a, the tra- he's at a university right now. The transfer portal is, is something he's looking at. But um, – Question for you: what, Madaki is. What do, what do you think about uh, Madaki's? Am I pronouncing that right? How do you pronounce his name? You talking about the Wisconsin quarterback? Yeah, Madaki is that. Is that how you pronounce it? I get it all confused. Mordecai. Mordecai is how you uh, Tanner pronounce. Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai. No, uh, he might get uh, picked late, or I would think I would grade him up as a free agent. I think he's an NFL free agent. Use that tape against LSU, guys. Man, that would be the only tape he got that he could use. Well, maybe a Florida State tape. Uh, uh, Washington State, excuse me. He threw for 277 then. No, if he gets picked, it'll be really late. But I think he's more of an NFL um, free agent with only seven rounds. So uh, um, that's where I would go with Mordecai. Um, he had a great game against LSU, but I could list you a lot of other quarterbacks that had those same sort of games against LSU. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 8-7 right after this news break. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.